Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, uh, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPJ professional, Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you today? I, I'm doing very well, and, and I left out one little bit. I, I apologize. Uh, we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. I forgot the most important part, to tell everybody who we are. Um, but anyways... We've got a great show for you this morning. Uh, Cindy and I are, are very excited to have uh, a great guest on, as always. And uh, we're going to talk about, uh, before that, we're going to talk about the 10, uh, top 10 golf tips for beginners uh, as we get ready to roll into another uh, season. Uh, some of us, of course, that play all year round uh, really don't have seasons per se. But uh, uh, for those of you that are still thawing out a little bit, and actually it's been kind of mild up north uh, this year compared to previous years, uh, I know you're all getting excited and, and eager to get out in the golf course if you haven't already uh, in some areas uh, and, and start your season. So we're going to help you with a few tips to remind you of that. But in the meantime, let me just remind everybody, of course, we are live uh, every Tuesday morning, unless otherwise stated, uh, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern on blogtalkradio.com. Best way to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com and type in Women of Golf, and that will take you to the main page. Uh, and you can uh, listen to us live, or you can scroll down to the on-demand section and catch us a little bit later on and listen to the recorded version if you can't join us live. So uh, lots of great ways to connect. Also, you can connect with us uh, through iTunes at iTunes.com. Go to the podcast section. Again, type in Women of Golf, and that will take you to uh, all of the previously aired shows as well. Uh, always love to hear from you if you want to uh, contact us during the live broadcast, if you want to call in and speak to any of the guests or Cindy or I. Uh, you can do so by calling area code 347-945-5855. And, of course, as always, you can reach out to Cindy and I uh, on the, uh, through email at uh, cindy at cindymillergolf.com or my email, ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And uh, as I mentioned, we've got a great guest today, uh, Pat Roquet. She's the Rockstar Transformation Coach. She's a sought-after motivational speaker, uh, business growth strategist, and author. Uh, she's not a teacher professional or actually per se in the golf industry, but she does do a lot of uh, business through golf and with golf and uh, has really been uh, making some Well, I apologize. I don't know what happened there, but it looks like Cindy. I know you're back. Are you? Yeah, you went. Uh, you went mute for a second there. I'm not sure why, so I just dialed back in. 
Yeah, not a problem. Um, anyways, what I was uh, just getting ready to say uh, before we uh, unfortunately got interrupted here, um, Cindy, if you want to go ahead before we start with the program and just remind the folks how they can get a hold of your Learn to Hit It kit. Um, yes, so I created this little practice thing of teaching you to, in the mission of teaching you how to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. And my main goal was to give people a way to learn to play golf in their backyard without being intimidated or having to go purchase golf lessons. And what I've realized is that there's a lot of people that don't know how to hit a clean airborne and straight on purpose, even if they've played golf for a really long time. So included in your learn to hit a kit is a portable Callaway mat, uh, nine foam balls that won't hurt anybody. So you can even hit balls in your house. Uh, my golf 101 book a coupon for 10% off any Callaway Golf Club, and most importantly, a 10-module online course with downloadable PDF resources if you need to print stuff to see it to teach you how to hit a clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. You get all of this for $99.99, and you can go to learntohititkit.com. Perfect. Um, definitely a great... Uh especially as we get, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Cindy, as we get ready to sort of roll out a new season here, um, what a great opportunity to get a jump on the season by, by getting that Learn to Hit It kit. So make sure you go to the website and purchase your kit today. Um, Cindy, as I mentioned, uh, I, I thought it would be good if we talked about some of the uh, golf tips for beginners, and, and I put together uh, 10 here, uh, no particular order. They don't necessarily have to go in this particular order, but uh, – these are, are, are just some tips I think would be helpful for, especially for our beginning golfers out there. And, and the first one, number tip number one is take dead aim. And I'll just read just briefly what I, what I'm referring to there. Uh, you know, a lot of people misunderstand this when they're when they're lining up for for their shots. Um, it's not just your feet, but also your knees, hips, and shoulders, and club face that need to be aligned correctly. And for uh, many right-handed golfers particularly, uh, they aim right, but doesn't always mean that the ball is going to go right um, af- you know, with respect to their shot. Um, so you need to check your alignment every practice session. Um, every time you go out there and you work on the, on the practice tee or if you're working with a trainer or coach, uh, teach professional, uh, you want to make sure that you're going through and checking your uh, alignment as well. Uh, any any other thoughts on that? Well, I think people, sometimes what I see is people think that they need to aim their shoulders and their body at the target. And right. I think what you need to remember is that your body should never be pointed at the target. It's the club face. And if right. you're aiming an iron, <clears throat> there's grooves on the face of the club, and at the end of the grooves there's two vertical lines that go down the mm-hmm. face, and those two lines should extend out. If you pretend they extend out beyond the club face, they should extend out to where you want the ball to go. So your body is right. not club faces, and I think that's a really big deal. Right, exactly. And, and just to, to add a little bit, uh, something that, that um, I'm sure many golfers do, but Jack Nicholas talked about in, in Golf My Way, um, what he always did to help him with his aiming because obviously when you're looking at a target that's you know 100 or so yards or, or 200 yards down the fairway uh, it's sometimes very difficult to to get your alignment correctly so 
What he often did was he would look for uh, sort of an incendiary target uh, uh, just a couple of feet in front of the ball that he could use uh, between uh, his, his ultimate target and where the ball was just to help him draw that line back. So that's something that can help as well uh, for, for you golfers out there that maybe have difficulty aiming. And obviously laying down um, you know, some clubs or, or something that can help you uh, set up correctly as well is very important. And, and again, if you're working with a teacher professional or, or a club professional, uh, most of them will, will get you to do that very early on anyways. Um, tip number two, of course, is to create a solid stance. That's another component. Um, what are some tips in that area, Cindy, do you think, uh, in helping to, to build that solid stance that a lot of amateurs uh, sort of miss the boat on? Um, I'm not sure I know what you mean by that. So explain. Well, for instance, um, yeah. For instance, you know, a lot of uh, golfers, especially tall. I'm, I'm six foot four, so I'm very, very tall. One of the, the the things that I think you have to be sure is is you have to have a fairly wide stance. Now, you know, the rule of thumb was, especially for your your longer clubs, your driver, and that was sort of shoulder width apart, and you could kind of narrow it down as you got into, you know, closer to the smaller, uh, shorter clubs like your wedges and things like that. Um, but one of the, the traps that a lot of golfers get into. Uh, is they get too narrow of a stance, especially the taller golfers like me that are six, you know, six foot and up sort of thing. Um, what often happens is they, they get a little bit too much sway in their swing. So you need to build a solid, uh, stable, and balanced uh, stance that, because you've got to remember you're swinging your body um, you know, quite rapidly through the golf swing. So if, if you've not got a solid stance, then you're going to be swaying or you're going to end up losing your balance. Um, so that's essentially what I'm talking about there. What do you do, Cindy? Obviously, you have a routine that you go through. What do you do to, to make sure that your stance is, is solid for, for, the, for the swing that you have? Because obviously, we're all individually different. Well, to be honest with you, I am not trying to turn my body. I'm trying to swing the club head, and my body supports the swinging of the club. It's just a different mm-hmm. thought to get the same results. So... I sometimes practice with my feet real close together and try not right. to turn and sway. So that's a drill for me. I just try to make sure that the weight is on the balls of my feet and I'm bowing over rather than sitting down. So if you sit, right. your arms get real close to your body and then you can't swing the club without your body swaying. If you bow over from the waist, then your, your arms have a little more freedom to swing. So I make sure I'm bowing and the weight's on the balls of my feet and I can swing my arms freely and my body follows. So my weight does shift and my body does turn, but only in response to the swinging of the club head. Right. And, and Cindy, that actually rolls into tip number three. That was a great segue into tip number three, and that's developing a perfect posture because that is very important as well. Because, you know, years ago when, when you used to hear um, the golf industry talk about feeling like you're, you're sort of, just about to sit down in a bar stool or something of that nature uh, to, to get into your posture is a little bit misleading because uh, as you just very eloquently pointed out, if you get too much of a sort of a sitting posture, your, your arms get too close to the body and you can't really turn or, or you can't really swing properly. Um, so obviously what you want to do is in, um, you want to tilt at your hips and not at your waist. Um, so, uh, you know, there's really, that's a no brainer. There's not too much you can really say beyond that, but, um, that was a great point that you made because a lot of, I think, golfers do that. They have that sort of sitting posture, and ultimately they can't uh, swing the club very very, um, very correctly. So that would be tip number three is develop a good posture, 
bend at the uh, the hips and not at your waist. Um, tip number four, uh, I like to put this as make friends with your grip. Um, talk about the importance of, of grip as well. Uh, obviously, there's some variations uh, in the industry, but obviously having a good grip is, is uh, vital as well. Correct, Cindy? Absolutely. The only thing that touches the club is your hands. So how your hands hold the club will determine how effectively you can swing the club. And in my opinion, um, I would like your front, I guess if you're a right-handed person, I would like your left thumb at 1 o'clock and your right thumb at 11 o'clock and your fingers pinch and your thumbs are dead so that you can Mm -hmm. swing the club head and not the shaft. Uh, But that's my personal preference, so... I'm not sure if that's yours or, you know, it's not, there, there are lots of ways to swing the club and there is no perfect way. I'm just looking for easy. Yeah. And, and and there is a, a, certainly um, there's no one standard rule. I mean, some tend to have, depending on the, the um, makeup of their body, if they have very weak hands uh, or very weak wristed rather um, may want to adopt a little bit stronger grip just to, to be able to make sure that they've got better control of the, of the club. People that have very strong wrists uh, and, and forearms uh, may want to have a more neutral or even a slightly weaker grip just because they're able to rotate the club uh, a little bit more effectively. Um, just very quickly, Ben Hogan, of course, um, earlier on in some of his teachings talked about, uh, and for, again, we're talking about right-handed golfers here, so you can sort of flip the script And for those of you that are left-handed. But in his left hand, he felt that the most pressure on the club was felt by the last three fingers. And in the right hand was in the middle two um, fingers because he, of course, overlapped the, uh, the pinky finger. So really his forefinger and his thumb, uh, really, other than just touching the club, didn't play a lot of control uh, in, in, in pressure on the club. It was just there for more stabilization. So he really only had, in his opinion, five fingers that really grip the club the rest were just sort of going along for the ride so again you have to play with that and and see what works best for you as, as Cindy just pointed out now the so that was tip number four uh the grip uh tip number five is starting your downswing you know we've all heard uh the old saying starting the ground uh starting from the ground up on the downswing um and, and really your your hips uh, a lot of Pros might use this, and I don't know if you do or not, but sort of bumping the hips uh, in the in the downswing, sort of imagine skimming a stone, if you will, or throwing a baseball, and how the lower body starts the movement and the upper body, of course, follows. Do you agree with that, or do you have a, a, maybe a different take on it? I agree that that's what's going to happen, but I do not try to get my students to think that thought because what I have found is if I get them to swing their hips, they totally forget about the face. And they have right. what we call outskated the puck. And then their yep. grip gets to the ball before the face, and we either shank it or slice it or dig to China. So yep. uh, <laughs> I try not to have them think that thought. I try to get them to um, fire the face, if you will, with their right hand. Mm-hmm. And I want them to feel as if their right palm is tossing a ball underhanded. Yeah, and, and, and obviously styles and, and techniques are going to vary from coach to coach, but um, essentially the, the, the core fundamentals, um, folks, that you're going to hear from the majority of your teaching uh, professionals out there are going to be virtually the same. Um, they may word it, phrase it slightly different, but essentially um, they're looking for the same results. So um, this is why it's important to work with somebody. 
Um, and, and it's important to make sure sequencing in a golf swing is very, very important. If you, um, you know, obviously as you go back, you're starting with your upper body, taking the club pack, but if you get that sequence out of sync, uh, it can create, as Cindy just pointed a myriad of, of issues, uh, thinned and bladed shots or, or as she said, dig into China. Um, this one, Cindy, um, we, we've talked about, uh, many, many times on the show, and that's to make your uh, range sessions count or practice with a purpose. Um, let's just go over that a little bit more because I, I think this is something that a lot of people just have a hard time with. We know we're all uh, you know, time-restricted these days. We don't have a lot of time, so we've got to make it count. So talk about what you perceive as a, a, a practice with purpose range session or practice session. Well, we just got done teaching a couple books today to our students um, that if we were to go to, which last week was the Honda Classic or the LPGA event in Thailand, and we were from the Golf Channel, we started to walk the range with a microphone. And before these uh, players started to practice, said, excuse me, we're from the Golf Channel. We'd like to know, what are you working on? And... Hmm. I tell my students every tour player would have an answer. I think some amateurs believe that tour players have arrived and they're not working on anything, but in the truth is is really the fact that every single tour player is working on something. So I try to ask my students, right. you know, what are you working on? And and it can only be one or two things. So why are you here and what are you working on? And that's your only right. focus right this minute. And it may not be as yeah. a result. It may be just your setup. Yeah, and, and, and I agree with that. And, and something, too, let me just sort of differentiate a, a, a full-on practice session and just warming up before a round. One of the biggest mistakes that I think a lot of amateurs, Cindy, you may or may not agree with this, is when they're getting ready to go out and play a round, they will start tinkering um, on the practice range, instead of just doing a, a warm-up and, and sort of working with what you have that day, they start to make all kinds of adjustments right before they're ready to play around, and that can wreak uh, havoc, as, as I'm sure you well know. Um, do you see that often as well, Cindy, with some of the amateurs out there as they, they fiddle around too much before they're about ready to go out on the golf well, course? We call it search and scan, <laughs> and, yeah. and it, it's only going to make you crazy, you know. So yeah. I would try to, um, you know, know why are you here and what do you want and what are you working on and, and stay focused on one thing and don't don't follow shiny objects. <laughs> you know, oh, <laughs> look over here. I can go do that. You know, stop. Stop. Don't do yeah. that. Yeah, and, and that's so true. And, and um, so, you know, you, you have to make your, your range or your practice sessions count, as Cindy said, know why you're there. Uh, you know, you're not just there to hit balls. You're there to work on specific areas of your game that maybe you're struggling with. Um, and certainly practice the areas that you're good at. Uh, take some time for that too. You want to keep that fresh. Um, but more importantly, uh, go to the practice. Uh, and and I, I, I like this, you know, Cindy, and I don't know whether 
you know, you try to get encourage your students to do this, but don't wait until you get there and say, well, I think I'm going to work on this. I like to do it ahead of time before, you know, if I get up on a Saturday morning, I say, I'm going to go to the range today. I like to have clear, a, a clear picture in my mind of why I'm going there today. Um, you know, what's the purpose uh, behind my visit to, to the, uh, to the golf course that day and, and working and what am I specifically going to be working on so that I've got a, a sort of a preconceived or preset plan as to why I'm going to be there. Is that something that you try to encourage your students to do as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you have to have a plan. You know, what's my strategy? Right. And what am I looking to accomplish? And how am I going to get there? Right. Right, and exactly. And then stay focused on and, that. Don't, you know, get distracted. <clears throat> right. Now, this one here is, I, I wouldn't necessarily maybe, uh, to use it as a tip, I don't know, I, I might have to rethink that one, but... Uh, use plenty of loft, and let me just explain. Um, you know, a, a lot of folks when they get out there, and this kind of goes back to the tip number six out in the, the range. There is, is you know, they start pulling out their 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 clubs, and and I like to to start personally with, uh, especially if you're an amateur out there, to start them with a more lofted club, um, so that they're able to see that ball. Everybody seems to be fascinated with the ball flight, and they want to see the ball get up in the air. And more often than not, if you're starting with uh, a longer club like a five iron or something and you're maybe not that good of a ball striker yet um, that lower ball flight uh, or you know sometimes even a worm burner if you don't connect well um, kind of sends a negative message uh, so I like to start my students off with some warm-up and and get them with a lofted club so they see and, and sort of reinforce with a positive um, uh, image if you will in starting the round what about you Cindy Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, let's let's get it airborne. So if you're playing in Florida and it's the winter and you're playing on basically dead Bermuda, there's not yeah. a whole lot of cushion underneath the ball. And if that's the case, then why would you want to try to hit a three-wood off the grass? Right. I suggest that you hit a hybrid that will make it easier to get the ball airborne. And that way the ball will get up in the air and you'll feel better about hitting a good shot. So that's just my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's for what it's worth. No, I, I would rather have success. So I suggest that that's what you do off the fairway. I, I agree with that as well. And, you know, just because it's uh, a little warmer down here, um, you know, and the grass is, is green in a lot of courses doesn't necessarily mean it's it's that good summer grass yet and, and good and cushiony. So you're very right. You're hitting off uh, a little harder surface. And and the other thing, too, I think what, what, what uh, by using a, a more lofted club, especially when you're practicing, um, a lot of golfers, when they're, when they're not and they see that it's not getting that nice ball flight that they want, they, they try to use a, a sort of a scooping action to get the club upwards. And that's a big mistake as well. That cr opens up the door for all kinds of issues. Um, tip number, tip number eight. So, sorry. Uh, did you want to add something or no? Um, yeah. I, you know, you just got to make the club head go down to the ground before the ball and that will make the ball go in the air. I think that a lot of people again have been told to keep their eye on the ball. And when you look at the ball, you're probably looking at the top of the ball and then you get mad that you top the ball. Well, stop looking at the top of the ball, look at the ground before the ball and make the club go to the ground and the ball will go in the air. Right. Exactly. Well said. Um, tip number eight. Um, I like to encourage this one whenever possible, especially with our higher handicappers out there, leave the driver in the bag. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. 
if you're not a confident um, ball striker, if you're not hitting, uh, you know, drop down to, um, you know, even a hybrid club uh, or even, you know, a, a three or a five wood if you're still carrying a five wood. A, a lot of amateurs make this mistake, Sunina. Again, I'm sure you see it all the time where they hit their, their you know, they pull their driver out. They're not very uh, confident with it and they're spraying it all over the fairway. Um, your thoughts on that? Good idea to leave the driver in the bag sometimes? <clears throat> well, again, it depends on what you're working on. So if you want to score better and you can't hit the driver in the fairway, then you shouldn't use the driver. If you want to work on hitting your driver straighter, then you can't be upset that the driver doesn't go straight, but go ahead and hit your driver. So... Mm-hmm. You know, people say, well, I want to be more consistent, and I can't hit my driver in the fairway. Well, do you want to be more consistent, or do you want to hit your driver? So they have to stop and make a choice, you know, if you only hit your driver 14 times in 18 holes. And if you shoot 95, you've got 81 other shots that you're screwing up. You know, so I would... I would clean up the 14 off the tee and then try mm-hmm. to work on getting the ball on the fairway. And I, and I must tell you that most people can't get the ball on the green from 70 yards and in. If you could get the ball on the green from 70 yards and in and two putts, your whole life would change. So right. you got to stop well, yeah. and say, you know, do I like to whine? Is my perception incorrect? And how can I really look in the mirror and fix this? So sometimes people don't want to look in the mirror, but right. Anyway. No, that that's a great yeah, that's a great analogy, and that kind of rolls into tip number nine. And that's um, try if you've got one in your area. If not, uh, maybe next time when you're uh, traveling and you've got your golf clubs with you, look for a par three course. Um, uh, there are still plenty of them around. Um, a good par three course uh, works right into the wheelhouse of what Cindy's just talking about. You're you know you're firing at the green. Um, it gives you an opportunity to practice your approach shots, even though you might be uh, hitting off a tee. And some of the courses have a little bit longer par threes as well, um, where you can actually kind of make it fun and, and hit two shots. You know, maybe hit um, so that you're about 30, you know, 40 yards uh, from, depending on the length of the hole, uh, from the green, and pla- practice some of your shorter uh, pitch shots and even, uh, you know, maybe mi- intentionally miss the green and work on some of your. Um, uh, chipping and, and things like that. So kind of make it a little bit fun. Instead of just going for the green all the time, you can kind of uh, take that opportunity to um, give yourself, obviously you don't want to hold up anybody else on there, but um, give you an opportunity, a, a chance to, to sort of play uh, and, uh, and and have some fun with it as well, challenging some of your different uh, areas and skills. Um, tip number 10 is the last one. Um, review these fundamentals um, that you have grip, stance, posture, and that uh, continually. Uh, I know I put down here once a month, but I think you need to do that every time you go to the practice tee. Uh, good, good observation, do you think, Cindy? Work on the fundamentals as often as possible? Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, if you stand over a shot and don't feel comfortable, don't bother swinging. You know, so if right. you can learn to be comfortable and know where you're aiming and and have a, a pretty easy, simple swing thought, then you're ready to roll. But if you're standing over it unsure with apprehension and doubt, you know, walk away. 
start over because it's not going to work. Right. Um, so just very quickly, let me just a uh, very quick recap. Tip number one, take dead aim. Um, watch where you're aiming. Make sure that you're uh, aiming particularly, the, as Cindy said, the club face. Um, create a solid stance or a solid base from which to swing the golf club. Um, be conscious to, on tip number three of your posture. Uh, tilt at your hips and, and not your waist. Um, work on your grip is tip number four. Make sure that you've got a good uh, sound grip. Number five is um, I like to start your downswing with, uh, with the hips, but definitely you want to start with your lower body. Um, number six, make your range sessions count. Practice with a purpose. Use a lofted club in tip number seven, uh, especially in your practice sessions uh, initially just to, to get that confidence uh, built up. And, and uh, as Cindy said, don't focus on the top of the ball. Focus uh, on the ground behind the ball um, to help avoid some of that. Number eight, leave the driver in the bag. Uh, certainly need to work on that and hone that, but as Cindy pointed out, uh, only 14 shots in any round uh, are using the driver. The other shots are, are virtually every other club, so you want to make sure you've got um, some good sound uh, shots to, in the bag and, and not just focus on the driver all the time. Um, try a par three course, tip number nine. Uh, when you can, if you've got one available at your uh, facility or course, try and get out on those. are great ways to practice up. You do them all the time. And then reviewing your fundamentals uh, on a regular basis as well, especially in your, your practice sessions. Make sure you're checking your stance, your posture, and grip, and, and so on and so forth. Next week, we're going to talk about um, some points to remember regarding a good golf lesson. But right now, we're going to welcome our very special guest, uh, Pat Roquet. She's the uh, Rockstar Transformation Coach. She's a sought-after motivational speaker and business growth strategist, as well as an author. Uh, they have called her... Uh, the Tony Robbins of the golf world, as she has published, as I mentioned, two books and numerous programs to empower women, students, and emerging leaders to embrace golf as a lifelong business strategy. She's a global golf industry leader, active in women uh, in the women in golf industry. Her program is being translated into German and taught across the UK and Europe. She's now an ambassador of, uh, for the Bermuda uh, Department of Tourism, leading retreats to educate golf and business for a global audience. Uh, locally, uh, I found this very interesting. She led the charge to have the governor declare June as Women's Golf Month in New Jersey. And uh, she also leads uh, a growing league of uh, over 550 members uh, for the Women's Golf Association of New Jersey. And she is also uh, going to be featured in an upcoming TV special about golf for the National Organization for Women. So without uh, any further hesitation, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest, Pat Roquet. Good morning, Pat. Thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. How are you? Nice to see you, Cindy and Ted. We're thrilled you're How with are you us doing, today. Pat? So tell us. I'm doing well. I just was realizing the first time I was on the show was December 2014. I cannot believe that time has flown already. That's crazy. It is, <laughs> is crazy. Cool? It is crazy. So tell <laughs> us about your Tony Robbins of the golf world. Tell us what you do. Well, it's funny. My background has always been in marketing and business promotion, business development. And like many midlife people, now, I don't know if you know this, Cindy, but Ted and I are twins. Literally. Right, Ted? <laughs> right. <laughs> we are we are birthday twins to the day. Literally. Oh, yep. cool. Isn't that funny? Laws of well, attraction kick in. 
<laughs> coming up in a couple weeks. So that's right. It's funny because, like like many people, um, had had a lot of success and then kind of had a complete and utter meltdown around midlife. Lost my biggest gig and two kids in college and hormones for us lovely women. So kind of hit was rock star hit rock bottom and bounced back again. And when I started paying better attention, realized that people want to grow their business or really serve their calling. And I realized for myself, I only learned to play golf at age 45. And I wished that I'd learned now to play at age four or five instead of 45. And that golf is an amazing connector for people all over the world and both in business and in life. And I've now applied this wonderful combination of what inspired me and helped me get through my own transformation and helping people really learn to connect with others that they enjoy, that life is short, we should have fun, and that I've literally made millions of dollars in deals on and off and around the golf course. So it's it's the ultimate place for lifelong friendships, for lifelong friendships and business relationships, and that it really can rock your business and your life. And so now not just marketing consulting, but I'm speaking around the world as a global motivational speaker and a success coach and then authored these two books. So I'm just having a lot of fun and, you know, living the life, playing golf, getting paid for it, and helping people learn how to get in the game. So I appreciate all your comments you just made on the first half of the show. They were awesome and spot on. Perfect. That is um, so cool. Now, Pat, let me ask you um, a couple things because, uh, you know, we've obviously spoken and you've been on the show here as well, um, as you mentioned, back in 2014. Um, but as I indicated uh, early in the show, um, you're not a, a golf professional per se in, in the teaching or coaching aspect. And as you just pointed out, you started uh, actually playing the game. But you understand, you get it. You understand the correlation between golf and business and why so many successful business people out there um, gravitate to golf um, in their business life. Explain a little bit what you have discovered over the last few years as to why that has become a, a very valuable business tool, particularly for women. Um, you know, that's a great question, Ted. Thank you for asking. I am, I am the demographic of the golf world. I am not a golf professional. I would not consider myself actually an athlete. I some days can barely walk and chew gum at the same time. So I am your middle-aged business executive, mom with two college kids, wife of a golfer who got left home for 20 years while my husband had jet season tickets and played golf all over and used to go down to Myrtle Beach and have his guy outings and things like that. And I never quite understood it. Um, when I was doing some work with WebMD, I was in sales and I was sitting in the office on a Friday afternoon all aggravated because I couldn't get through to someone. I really, really, you know, my primary target new client, and I was getting nowhere and getting frustrated. And I was blessed to have a manager say to me, you need to learn to play golf. And ironically enough, I was on crutches from a ski accident. I was taken down Stratton Mountain <laughs> on a stretcher. So I'm in crutches and a brace from ankle to hip. <laughs> and, uh, wow. and she's telling me I need to play golf And I'm thinking this woman is on crack I don't understand um, I don't know which part she couldn't see the crutches or the brace But it just seemed like the strangest bit of advice And she taught me 
Um, again, I'm age 45 and now I'm on crutches, and she's telling me I'm going to get involved with golf, which sounded ludicrous, but she was the first person to take me by the shoulders and explain to me how golf can change your world, how people can get involved even if they never even want to play or if they are have an inkling that they want to play or they start to get that burning feeling that they're being left behind because what happens is you actually, I was being left behind. And I know that other people mm -hmm. are as well. So she taught me how to get involved in golf outings. Um, I figured out that my target was from a big pharmaceutical company in northern New Jersey. And this woman belonged to a healthcare business women's association. And there was an outing coming. And I learned to go literally find out which committee she was on. So my first golf experience was wrapping gift baskets, drinking wine and wrapping gift baskets for the tricky tray, and I spent, by the time the day happened, I spent about 10 hours of quality time with the number one target on my sales prospect list. So we became very good friends wow. way before we ever got to the golf outing. And then I was taught how to dress because I didn't own a, a polo shirt and I didn't own a khaki skirt, and, you know, I didn't know all those things. So um, someone teaching me the jargon, how to dress, the language, you know, some of the golf etiquette for business, and it changed everything. So I started to take lessons and learned, and the next year I worked the registration desk, and then I graduated up and I ran the putting contest. You don't need golf skills to, to be the putting contest volunteer and walk the ball back and forth, right? But I was taught how to literally meet every person at the golf outing twice during a day, even before I played. Right. And it is... Yeah. It's not that it's rocket science, but it's amazing how many friends and then people are happy to see you for an appointment or for lunch and grow business relationships. You're not selling at the golf course, but you're having a connection with them, and that's the difference. Right, I exactly. Um, what are some uh, some of the trends that you're starting to see in women's golf um, for, for not necessarily 2017, but just for future of women's golf? What are some of the trends that you've noticed uh, in your, uh, your experience? Well, um, I can tell you that, uh, for example, I belong to the women in the golf industry, so I'm involved on a global level. But even here in our own backyard, um, Women's Golf Association of New Jersey, I'm also a member of Executive Women's Golf Association. So I, I my finger's in the pie in both areas. Um, we are watching women of all ages get in the game. So literally I've got um, people in college and right out of college. Now my group caters to the adults. We do have a very large um, LPGA, you know, first tee and LPGA girls golf program. But um, we need more of those because those programs tend to only be placed into some of the more economically challenged areas. Um, and honestly, I think that, there's more girls getting on the boys' high school golf teams because there really weren't even girls' teams. So the girls are starting to step up at a younger age, which is great. Um, uh, we're embracing helping what I call emerging leaders, which means the younger generation, the right out of college, in college. Um, I'm working with some folks and talking about how do we get college, high school, high school prep 
in the, in Asian countries, they teach golf as a business tool, and here we need to do that. So even with Women's Golf Day, we're going to be inviting everybody from high school, college, business community. Um, but people are stepping in from their teens and, and early 20s all the way through to their 50s and 60s, and even 70s, as crazy as that might sound. I've got a little lady in our league who she hits the ball 75 yards straight every shot. So you know what? She beats half the people most of the time because there's no spraying all over the place. It's consistent. She's got a nice swing. She takes it slow and easy, and it's consistently down the middle where she wants to be. So people of all ages getting in the game, I think women are a lot more savvy to the fact of pace of play. So we are able to go out and play with all different kinds of people. You don't have to be as good as someone else, but you need to know how to respect the pace of play. Um, and the golf fashions are becoming a lot more fun. So, you know, the whole, oh, that's frumpy, oh, that's dirty, oh, that's boring, that's all gone. If there's a lot of very cool golf fashion on and off the golf course. B-Skins is one of my sponsors. I love them. Their clothing is amazing. And I wear it even when I'm not golfing or if I'm going from a corporate client over to the country club. So um, more engagement. Nine-hole stuff is picking up quite a bit, nine and dines and things like that. So golf doesn't necessarily have to be an 18-hole, five-hour, four-hour, you know, experience. So people are trying to learning how to fit it into a busy life, which is really, really cool. And we've got uh, top golf, and we've got uh, indoor simulators and things popping. You know, I'm in New Jersey, right? So we've got right. more of a limited season. We're not as year-round historically, but we've had multiple indoor simulators, including Topgolf, pop up all over the place. So there's four or five new places that just opened golf fitness facilities. So I think I'm excited to say, um, guys, the trend is that it's growing and people are realizing that golf is an outlet for fitness. It's an outlet for networking. It's an outlet for, you know, a sport if you want, if you're that looking for the sport side of it or competition or no competition. Right. It's a great social. Yeah, it's a great social thing as well. And Cindy, you know, we just uh, uh, add we've had um, the people from B Skins on here before. uh, So we know that they're some great product in that. And uh, I think you need to pair with that that woman that's hitting it 75 yards straight. And and, uh, I think you clean up in a scramble with with her, uh, Pat, um, as a partner. So (laughs) but. uh, um, but Cindy, I know you know Cindy obviously is is up in, in the Northeast as well, uh, predominantly, and uh, so she you know sees a lot of the things that you've just uh, described. And Cindy, maybe you can touch as well some of the things um, that you've noticed happening in in golf, particularly in women's golf here in the last uh, few years. Well, I think that there are a couple of different programs. Pat, are you a member of the EWGA? I am. Yes. And do you? Are you involved with the Grads to Golf program? Uh, no, that one I'm not. I, I do a lot of programs, but not that one. Tell me about it. Well, Leanne Singer has, has developed this to work with colleges to teach the students how to play golf so that once they graduate, they know how to play. So I think that's a very important program. And yesterday I was on a call with Next Gen Golf, and did not realize that there were 400 colleges in the United States that have a club golf program where students Hmm. from high school who aren't quite good enough to play on D1, D2, D3 teams can, excuse me, play golf at the club level. So that's an amazing way to 
to basically speak to the demographic that Pat's talking about. You know, I, and she didn't play golf, but there's an awful lot of kids that I teach that don't want to commit, you know, five days a week to practicing their game, or maybe they don't have the skill level to compete at the D1 level, but yet they love golf and want to be able to play. So I think this is another outlet. And what Chris Hart was talking about yesterday was the fact that um, basically those are the people who are going to spend the money in golf. The kids that play D1 golf don't buy anything. They get everything for free, and tour players get everything for free. So if you want to grow the market, you got to find the people who are going to spend the money. Right. Yeah, well said. Well said. Um, Pat, let me ask you, uh, I, I know you've indicated uh, to me that you've got a, a lot of new programs for this year for, for women in golf. Um, tell us about some of the programs you're, you're launching this year. Um, well, it's fun. So we're working with PGA Master Professional. Like <laughs> Owen Stevens is PGA Master Certified Golf Instructor out of Chicago. I've got Gary Ellis, who's in the Hall of Fame, who's who's starting to join the bandwagon. I'm working with the Bermuda Department of Tourism, and we're actually creating a global program, um, Links for Leaders. It's brand, brand new. It's literally just coming out, and we're going to be offering golf and business um, development year-round online as well as live events in Chicago and other places in the last weekend of October with an outing, a retreat in Bermuda. And, again, following what you guys were just talking about, a uh, we're going to be at the Fairmont, which is the number five in the world par three course. So taking mm. business leaders and executives who want to really hone their art of networking and hone their golf skills. So it's going to be a retreat that's a combination of body, mind, spirit, giving people the tools to really leverage golf for lifelong relationships, including, you know, beachside barbecues and things like that, but also the most gorgeous nine-hole vista. And I think it'll be some inspiration, motivation, perspiration. So I, again, I'm not a golf pro. It'll be an inclusive program where golf pros, we'd love to have you guys come and participate and contribute your gifts from the why is it important to be out there on shows like this, why is it important to have a mission of communication and a channel. So you guys could come and do a remote and bring a few people. PGA professionals can bring some of their folks. We could have roundtables where you could experience uh, different folks from all different facets of business and golf. I think it's a great learning opportunity. I'm going to do a telesummit in the spring and have 18 pros. And, again, golf and business professionals do 18-minute interviews where it will be a telesummit where you can access all the advice and get different offers from them to be able to uh, learn and experience the joy of why commingling golf and business is so much fun. So things like that. And then, again, for Women's Golf Day, I believe Women's Golf Day should have been a month, so I made it a month and the governor signed a proclamation, so that was pretty cool. But now we're getting calls from all over. I'll be down in Washington, D.C. area, for example, doing a program for golf and business on Women's Golf Day. Um, the golf pro from St. Andrews in Scotland loves the program, the whole Rock Your Golf program, and he's going to be interpreting our program into German and teaching it, and I believe he said Germany, Austria, um, Switzerland, as well as the U.K., because he feels that the German market 
is a fan of discipline and having a structured planning and learning program. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. So lots of things, I guess, percolating. It feels like all of a sudden it's a great idea, you know. You plant your seeds and do your the best you can, and all of a sudden it starts to all uh, pick up. But most importantly, it's just helping people get in the game. And I'm actually being mentored. I became friends with, you ready for this? Do you know who Marilyn Smith is? Yes. I right? do. Oh, well, so I I became, her her nephew introduced us, believe it or not. I met him in a business setting, and he said, you deserve to meet my aunt. And she's the LPGA <laughs> co-founder and member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. And so now she and I chat regularly on the phone, and we are um, sharing ideas back and forth, and I'll probably be playing in the Pro-Am out in Arizona in the fall um, and getting advice from her on how to, grow the game. So it's a very cool multi-generational conversation that's happening and I think that that's really awesome. It's never too late to get in the game and that's my that's my motto. Um, it, it changed my life and I'm forever grateful for friends like you guys and all the wonderful mm. people we've had a chance to meet along the way. That's you know, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Um, you know, Pat, the other thing, too, is, and, and, you know, I think Cindy would agree, is there's so many aspects to golf. And we talked about this recently, Cindy, you and I, about how there's a little bit of a pre, uh, misconception um, that people see golf on television and they think that's all that golf is about is at the professional level. But there's so many other things that, um, Pat, that you've just pointed out here. Uh, for those that, that maybe aren't looking from uh, uh, the sports side of it or the professional side of it, there's lots of ways that people can be involved in golf and that don't really have to know a lot about golf or don't have to be very good golfers to begin with. So um, you've opened a, a lot of doors through your hard work and helping people, especially women who uh, maybe be a little bit more apprehensive than some of the men out there in getting in, involved with golf to realize that they don't have to be Anonika Sorenstam or, or even a, a former uh, professional like Marilyn Smith who, who helped develop the game for the LPGA um, that they can just be, you know, a, a, a typical housewife, or they can be a young executive, uh, up-and-coming executive. That golf can be a very valuable tool, both business and socially, for them as well. So good Absolutely. job. Absolutely, and that's why it's important to work. Like I love um, collaboration. It's all about, you know, all ships rise with the tide. So everything I do is about aligning with professionals like yourself. I'll never try to be the one giving the hands-on golf trip stance, et cetera, advice. But but having someone who is an authentic, just regular person who can sit there and say that with such passion that it's absolutely changed my life. And you you can be an athlete, you can be a pro and love it, but let me tell you, there's a whole lot more of regular folks like myself and my neighbors and friends who are not super gifted athletes and we have so much fun it is just a hoot and a holler and um just watching the circle of friends grow and grow and grow and grow is just it's such a blessing i've been really paying attention to that and that's that's the juice that's the most fun part fresh air sunshine right when you're outside and you see that blue sky against the green grass and the trees it's just, uh, I hear angels sing in the background. I love it. Right. And a little, a little wine once in a while doesn't hurt either. Yeah. A little um, wine doesn't hurt either, my, Pat, once in a while. <laughs> my husband calls it swing juice. 
Yeah. <laughs> Listen, tell us, tell us, tell us very quickly if you can. Uh, we're getting close to to our time, unfortunately. Um, give us a little sneak preview of your. Uh, you've got a free web webinar uh, happening uh, here in just a couple of days, March second. Tell us what's going to be on that, and and uh, so and where the folks can tune in if they uh, want to get involved. Yes, cool. I'd be happy to. So again all about making this message accessible to people. So we're going to be hosting a lot of free workshops and webinars to, uh, Thursday, which is March 2nd at 1 o'clock Eastern, 11 o'clock Mountain Time. I'm going to be hosting a um, Rock Your Golf Leadership <coughs> Secrets to Success on and off the course. Again, women in leadership, it's for business and golf industry leaders. We're going to talk about six success secrets behind one of the most potentially effective sales and relationship building strategies ever designed to rock your business and your life. And it's all about helping people stop getting left behind, get in the game, and cover things like career, how it can impact your career, um, connecting, making connections and lifelong friends, um, collaboration, how businesses targeting the golf demographic can work together and grow business together, which is more fun and more cost-effective, um, how it affects confidence, how you can use golf. I mean, you guys know this, but golf brings <clears throat> over $4 billion to charity in the U.S. Yeah. between professional and not-for-profit and local, you know, from the PGA and LPGA all the way down to grassroots, local church and temple and school fundraisers. But it's a huge way to support the community. And, um, Committing to your success, why it's important to have a 90-day game plan and to insert, like you just said during the first half of the show, there are easy, smart ways to practice and infuse golf into your week, even if it's 15 minutes at a time. So we teach people right. how to start to make that, you know, weave it into the fabric of your life and not make it this big, high obstacle that becomes insurmountable. So how to make it easy to get in the game Um no matter what age you are, no matter what your athletic ability, all you need is that glimmer of hope in your eye and a few good tips, and we can get you there. So um, my website is rockonsuccess.com forward slash golf. That's R-O-C-K-O-N success, S-E-C-C-E-S-S dot com forward slash golf. And that will have a link to log in to register for the webinar. It will also have a link to my book and some other information we give lots of free stuff. I want to make this a no barrier. It, do, it doesn't have to be a super expensive sport. There's lots of ways to get in the game and even just use it to give back, and that's what we're trying to spread. Lots of fun to be had, and you are missing out. You don't know what you're missing. Well, that's great. We're well, so grateful for what you're doing. Yeah, that's My fantastic, pleasure. Pat. And and uh, I know you've you've worked very hard over the years to – um, not only build your brand, but but also to reach out and help others. And um, yeah, we're having a birthday in a couple of weeks, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to have a pre-celebration uh, call uh, beforehand. But um, Pat, we want to thank you for coming on. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. We've got to wrap it up. Um, but you're welcome to come back anytime uh, and and share uh, some great information with our audience. And uh, I will also have you on. Um, sometime here in the near future uh, on Golf Talk Live as well. Have you back there uh, so you and I can, can chat a little bit more. But, um, again, have a great week and a fantastic 2017, and uh, we'll talk real soon, okay? Sounds good. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Ted. Nice to talk Thank to you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Take care. All right. Thanks, Pat.
Thank you. Okay. That was our very special guest, Pat Roquet, the Rockstar Transformation Coach. Um, just a, a real energetic individual, Cindy, and, and she does do a lot of work. I know she was down at the PGA show. Um, I actually spoke to somebody else that was down there, and, and she just is a great networker involved with a lot of the different women's organizations that she mentioned, the EWGA and, and the uh, Golf Associ- Women's Golf Association of New Jersey and, and others, and just really um, does tremendous work. Um, and somebody that's not been from within the golf industry, so she's an outsider, if you will, that's come in and, and just really doing a lot of things to help transform uh, golf for women in her area and expanding uh, around the globe. So um, kudos to you, Pat, for all the hard work that you do. And on that note, Cindy, we have to wrap it up for another week. Um, just to keep note, Cindy, I know you're going away next week, so we've decided not to have a show um, on March the 7th, which is next Tuesday, but we will be coming back on the 14th with another great guest and uh, some more great tips for you as well. Um, so on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, we want to thank you uh, for joining us uh, this morning on the Women of Golf show here on blogtalkradio.com network. And uh, we'll see you back here in two weeks. Um, have a good one. God bless everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Todd. Have a great week. You too.